Hello, and welcome to the Biotech 2050 podcast. Biotech 2050 is a think tank chronicling the disruptions changing the biotech industry over the next several decades. Check out our website at biotech2050.com. I'm Rahul Chaturvedi, today's host. I'm also the founder and CEO of Clora. Clora is organizing the world's life sciences expertise and is the place to discover, build, and manage on-demand life science teams. I'm very excited to welcome Jonathan Rigby, President and Group CEO of Revolo Biotherapeutics. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jonathan. Good day, Rahul. It's a great pleasure to be here and congratulations and thanks for all the great work that yourselves and your colleagues do at Biotech 2050. And also thank you to Life Science Advisors for introducing us together. Yeah, excellent. So to start off, we'd love to learn more about the arc of your career and how you got to where you are today. Yes, Rahul, I'd be uh, happy to take a, a, a go at that question. It's a, it's a long one because I've been doing this for over 30 years. I was educated in the United Kingdom. I, I'm a biologist. I also have an MBA and I started my career working for big pharmaceutical companies like Merck and Bristol Myers Squibb. I've always been more on the commercial side, the corporate development, business development side than the science side, even though the two are inextricably linked. I love my time in Big Pharma, but uh, over time, I've found myself working for smaller organizations, and I'd be happy to share and tell you about some of those. And I moved to the United States, to the San Francisco Bay Area, almost 20 years ago, and I worked for some entrepreneurial, very exciting companies, developing some novel therapeutics for diabetes and pain. All that time, I had a yearning, I had a great passion, a great desire to build and grow my own companies. And in 2006, I co-founded with some very bright friends and colleagues, a CNS company called Zogenics. We were initially developing drugs for the treatment of migraine and pain. And more recently, the company is developing drugs for pretty rare neurological disorders. And in 2010, we were successful in listing Zogenics on the NASDAQ stock exchange. And a couple of years later, my thrive to develop new things continued. And I established another company in the San Francisco Bay Area called SteadyMed, where I founded the company there and started to develop an asset to treat the disease pulmonary arterial hypertension. So once again, we grew the company from zero. We did a crossover financing round. and We took the company public in 2015. And another wonderful experience. And we continued with the development of this drug product. And we were successful in having the company acquired by a large biotech company called United Therapeutics. And that acquisition closed at the end of 2018. And while I was at um, SteadyMed, I also was very much one of the top leaders in a company called Zeris Pharmaceuticals. We developed a drug to treat hypoglycemia. We took that company public on NASDAQ in 2018. And after the acquisition of SteadyMed, I stayed an employee of United Therapeutics for about a year. And then early last year, my desire to start something again got the better of me. I was looking for a new opportunity, and I heard about a company that was based in the United Kingdom called Immune Regulation, and they really caught my attention. The data that they had on these two drug products to treat autoimmune and allergic disease really fascinated me. I could see great prospects from these drugs in the future, 
I flew over and had a great number of discussions with management and the board and the investors. And I agreed to be the CEO. And I was once again the first employee in the United States. And that's a little over a year ago. And here I am today. Excellent. Thanks, Jonathan. I'm sure many of our listeners are curious at your level when you're assessing new opportunities. How do you go about doing so in terms of you know joining an early stage company? There's lots of unknowns. Is there uh, perhaps a framework that you've developed that you could share with our listeners? Uh, yes, I think there is, Rahul, and it's a pretty simple framework. You know, I've looked at lots of opportunities, and lots of opportunities have looked at me, and you know, I've walked away from opportunities, and they've walked away from me. But I think it's a simple framework, and you really need to do your diligence. And the company that you're looking to really needs to do their diligence on you as well, because you know things have to work for both sides. But I think what is key here is really, really digging in to understand, you know, what is the problem that the company, your company, the other company is trying to fix? And if that isn't blatantly clear, if there isn't an unmet need, if there isn't a big problem and you have a potential solution, then it's probably not going to work. You know, my father used to say to me, Jonathan, you have two ears and one mouth and you need to use them in at least that ratio. So I take a lot of pride in speaking to people and listening to what they've got to say. I then try to triangulate what they've told me with feedback from other individuals in the industry and people that I trust and have known for many, many years. And then, you know, once you've done those things, bringing together a spectacular team to develop the assets is critical. And probably as important is you need to have a team with a passion You need to have a team with a fire in their belly that wants to work really, really hard and make things happen, make things work. And, uh, you know, those are some of the simple tenets that I personally use when I look at opportunities and developing companies. Great. Thanks for sharing those insights, Jonathan. Looking back at your career, you've had a lot of executive level leadership roles on the commercial side of biotech. What's that transition been like for you going from the commercial side now to being a CEO of an R&D stage company? Uh, That's a a good question, Rahul. And it's interesting. It goes back a little bit to what I just described. You know, so if you're building an aircraft, there are many different parts of the aircraft and they all need to work together. Otherwise, bad things happen. And, you know, developing any company, be that a biotech company, be that a software company, take your pick. It's all about the team that you build. And, you know, the analogy I like to use a little bit with my team is we're all in the same boat, we're all rowing together. And every single person that has a hand on an oar has to row hard and and be synchronized. And it's a little bit like that being the CEO of a biotech company. And also, you know, I need to surround myself with brilliant people. We all know different aspects of the business. And being the CEO means you're the person that has to try and bring all of those things together. You are the person that has to make sure that everything is happening in that synchronized fashion. And you're the person that has to make sure that the goals that you set with the teams that you have come together and you achieve what you set out to achieve. And, you know, this is an industry that is fraught with, you know, science is science. Development of drugs is, especially novel drugs, you can have great success and you can also hit problems. It's not unusual for companies in the development stage to hit problems. But again, one of my things that drives me deeply 
is when I see a problem coming or one hits us from the side that we didn't anticipate, I really am a believer in the fact that whenever you encounter a problem and you hit a brick wall, there's a way over it. There's a way under it or there's a way around it. There's a way through it. Again, you're relying on your great colleagues and teams to come up with creative ways to solving problems with great solutions. And again, that is a, a key aspect of my uh, career, my scientific life, and uh, the way that I like to work with people. Great. So now, before we start talking about your current focus, if you could help us think through what the current landscape in autoimmune and allergic diseases looks like right now, and where there are potential opportunities within that space. Absolutely, Rahul. It's something that fascinates me on a daily basis. And when you look at the treatment of autoimmune and allergic disease, there are quite a lot of therapies on the market right now. For example, there are steroids. They have limited utility and they only treat the symptoms of these diseases. You have immunosuppressants that to some degree can modify these diseases. And then you have a number of biologic drugs on the market, for example, the anti-TNF therapies, the JAK inhibitors. And these have, with all due respect to them, limited utility. So when we look at these drugs, you know, what are the problems? And the drugs that I mentioned, for example, the biologics, right now, they only provide short-term partial remission of disease. If I'm being kind, we're seeing remission of disease in about 40% of patients. Very often, these people can come out of remission from these terrible diseases. They are permanently sick. So there's a lot of efficacy still to be built on in these terrible autoimmune and allergic diseases. The biggest downside to current therapies, in, in my opinion, is that they are taken chronically, but they have very long pharmacodynamic effects. So these drugs chronically suppress your immune system. So they're always tamping down your ability to fight infections or cancers. So the unfortunate reality here is that people with autoimmune disease, they could have better effective medicines but they're also at high risk of serious infections and cancers. And unfortunately, some of the time, this can lead to patient death. There's a need here for therapies that address these problems. Thanks for that primer, Jonathan. And now I would love to learn more about the work that you and your team are doing at Revolo Biotherapeutics. Maybe what I'll do first of all is give you a little inside view to our mission. And it's pretty straightforward. Our mission is to revolutionize autoimmune and allergic disease treatment by resetting the immune system. And the goal is superior long-term remission of disease without suppressing the immune system. You know, we frequently speak to inside and outside people about our drugs. And one of the words that frequently comes along is, this is revolutionary. This is a revolutionary approach. Your drugs are revolutionary. And this is where the company name Revolo is derived. And this resetting of the immune system, you can see in our logo, we have the well-recognized symbol for resetting in the middle of our company name. So what we're trying to do, we have a protein drug called 1805, which has been shown in a phase two clinical trial in rheumatoid arthritis to cause remission of disease from a single dose out to the end of a 12-week study. Then we have a peptide called 1104, 
where we've also completed two phase one studies in healthy volunteers and asthmatics. But with both of these drugs, what we're trying to do is achieve our mission. And our mission is to achieve superior long-term remission of disease and importantly, do this without suppressing the immune system. Uh, we can talk in a little while about uh, our drugs, but they both have very short pharmacokinetic lives from minutes to hours. But the pharmacodynamic effect that they have, i.e. what these drugs do, lasts for many weeks and even months. So again, the goal is superior remission of disease, but in between the dosing, the immune system is not suppressed. So we hope that we show in our future clinical trials that we are significantly lowering or even eliminating the risk of serious infections or cancer in this patient population. Quite an inspiring mission statement and critical work. Where is your pipeline right now? Do you have assets that are in the clinic? And also, which indications are you pursuing now? Yes, uh, Rahul. Again, we have the two therapies that reset the immune system. So 1805 is our protein drug, which, as mentioned, has completed a phase two study where we achieved remission in rheumatoid arthritis. 1104 is our peptide. We did a phase one study in 94 healthy subjects and asthmatics, and we showed the drug to be very safe and tolerable. We've done ex vivo work where we've shown 1104 to be a key regulator of a, an important protein in allergic disease. And earlier this year, in spite of the pandemic, we completed a phase one ascending dose study in healthy volunteers where we showed the drug to be very safe and uh, well tolerated. But in terms of what's coming up in the near future, we are initiating four phase two clinical trials. We are preparing for those right now. They will start in the middle late summer this year. One of those will be a phase two trial in rheumatoid arthritis. One will be a phase two trial in allergic disease. The other one will be a phase two trial in a rare disease called eosinophilic esophagitis. And a phase two trial in another rare disease, which is the leading cause of blindness, called uveitis. So these four trials will start pretty soon. And you'll see a cascade of clinical readouts from those programs over the next few years, uh, about seven near-term clinical readouts. But what I'd like to say to people here, you know, we're in a good position because, you know, there are well over 100 autoimmune diseases and, uh, and allergic diseases. And our drugs have potential applicability to way more beyond what I just described to you. Uh, you know, I say to people, we're not trying to find the needle in the haystack in terms of things that we can treat with these therapies. In fact, we have a small haystack made out of needles and the key, the skill, is identifying the correct needles for us to move forward and add to our pipeline of drug product development candidates. And Jonathan, it seems like there's a lot of activity going on. How large is the team now and where are your offices located? Rahul, that's another one of your list of good questions. Uh, so right now, the team we have, our R&D is in the United Kingdom and will remain there. We are growing that team. They're doing some very novel science on unique receptors and uh, further drugs to add to our portfolio. And then in the US, we've built all of the other functions. So we have uh, marketing, investor relations, finance, business development, operations, preclinical talks, and our clinical team are all in the United States. 
And it's been a, a very fascinating year for me because, you know, I started this job just as the dreaded pandemic was taking its toll. The industry at large, but certainly myself, was facing a unprecedented challenge in terms of growing and financing an organization. We all moved to the land of Zoom or your, your other chosen online platform for communicating. And we kind of built the team organically through people that we've either worked with in the past. And, you know, we have people in the San Francisco Bay Area, people in New York, people in Boston, people in North Carolina. Myself and a couple of others are based in, in New Orleans. So we're kind of interdispersed, but because of the way that the world is communicating these days, we can successfully do it via electronic platforms until travel restrictions are lowered. But also, again, which is typical for our industry, we have a lot of outsourced work, contract research, clinical manufacturing operations, some regulatory affairs, and some of the R&D work we're doing. So we have a lot of people that are either directly working for us or we are paying for their privilege. And Jonathan, could you talk a little bit about your fundraising strategy today and future plans? Uh, absolutely, Rahul. So, you know, the company historically has been around for a number of years, and it started its life as a collaboration between two prestigious teaching hospitals in London, King's College Hospital and Guy's. And they were respectively developing products for rheumatoid arthritis and allergic disease. The two organizations came together a few years ago, and some um, executives from our industry, from the Swiss biotech organization, got involved and started to change the company from an academic play to you know, a, a pure biotech play. The early funds came from high net worth individuals, from some government grants, from some seed money, some small investment firms. And then when I joined in the first quarter of last year, it was pivotal for me to capitalize the company to grow it. You know, challenge number two hit me in the nose. And how can you raise money when you can no longer fly around and, and meet investors? And of course, that was a problem facing everybody in this industry. So the industry had to adapt and be nimble. And uh, last year was a great year for financing biotech companies, despite the dreadful pandemic that has been a curse world over. So I was um, very fortunate to meet the investors at Morningside Ventures based in Boston. We got on incredibly well. And so with our existing investors at that time, for example, Metallus in, in Switzerland and 24 Haymarket in the UK, we joined forces with Morningside Ventures who led our Series B round and we closed a Series B round in September of last year, $54 million. So that put us in a great position to fundamentally change our manufacturing operations. And we've added some great companies that can make our drug products, both of them, to commercial grade. We've put a lot of money and investment into getting ready for the clinical trials that I mentioned and, and building the team. So now, you know, we are well capitalized, but we need to build for and finance for growth. So Revolo Biotherapeutics, we actually recently rebranded the company as I mentioned, the company used to be called Immune Regulation, changed the name to Revolo Biotherapeutics uh, just a few months ago here as a prelude to going out to raising a crossover round from high quality institutional healthcare companies. And, and that process recently started and is going well. And the goal is to take the company public on NASDAQ probably later this year. 
And we will do that either through the conventional route or as we engage in these discussions, we'll be talking to a number of SPACs, the Special Purpose Acquisition Corporations. And if we find a high quality SPAC with great investors, great board, great management, then we will, of course, entertain looking at that route to becoming a public company as well. Great, Jonathan. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I think you mentioned that you were involved in taking company public in 2015 or so. What's your perspective on how the public markets have changed in terms of the biotech industry? Uh, Rahul, yeah, the, the first company I took public was in 2010. I'm showing my age a little bit now. Uh, time flies when you're having so much industry fun. But in 2010, you will remember we were on the back end of a great economic recession. And I think in 2010, there were three biotech IPOs in the whole year. But we were successful in listing our company that year. And I'll tell you, it was not a pretty picture and it was very hard. You shoot forward then to 2015, where the recovery was certainly better. And taking my company, SteadyMed, public in 2015, we were successful. We got a little down pressure on pricing. But then you, you jump forward to last year and the early part of this year where, you know, there have been many, many, many dozens of IPOs and this promulgation of these financing entities called SPACs. So we are in a very different climate right now. How long that window will stay open? I'm not the right person to predict that. But right now, capital is available. However, there's a lot of companies competing for the capital. You know, there are a lot of uh, wonderful biotech companies developing wonderful therapies, and, and we are in the mix. There's been a dramatic change, and given the importance of this industry to the future of well-being of people, obviously not just in the United States but world over, you know, I hope and pray and expect that it will continue to be that way. Uh, for many, many years to come, like yourselves at um, Biotech 2050. Okay. And Jonathan, for those folks that are budding entrepreneurs or at some point have aspirations to become CEOs and are currently in a commercial role, what advice would you provide them in terms of effectively navigating from a commercial role within biotech to becoming a CEO? What are some of the key skills that you would encourage them to level up on? I think there are a few innate skills, a few learned skills, and a few skills that you can put to practice. In terms of the innate skills, you know, I, I know many, many very, very good CEOs who've either come from the R&D side of the business or come from the commercial side of the business. But I think the, some of the innate skills, as I mentioned before, you've got to be a good listener. You've got to be pretty hard on yourself and pretty critical on yourself to understand what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and areas that you can develop. And on a daily basis, you know, I like to learn from my mistakes, but I also like to learn from the mistakes other people make. And uh, there, are, there are many of both of the above. <laughs> so it's a, you know, a phase of continuous personal development, but having uh, some kind of ability to find opportunities where, again, you know, I, I'm not a fan of coined phrases, but unmet need is certainly a coined phrase, but it's a real one. You need to be going into opportunities. You know, you, you may be doing this from in your own organization as a promotion, or you may be going outside into an established company, or you may want to set up from the ground up your own organization. And I think all of those things are very different. They're all very similar. 
But, uh, you know, you've got to have great drive and enthusiasm. And you know what? You're going to get knocked down many, many times in your ambitions and your aspirations. But that's a measure of the man. It's a measure of the lady that you can get up and uh, dust yourself off, believe in the things that you know are right, have some common sense, some wisdom, and speak to other people, listen to other people, keep your two ears open and uh, use your one mouth. Things will successfully happen for you. Excellent. And on that salient advice from Jonathan and his dad, thank you, Jonathan, for speaking with us today and sharing the Revolo story and wishing you continued success. Rahul, I sincerely appreciate the discussion. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope it was useful for you and uh, your organization. And if anybody wants to learn more, you can find my contact details at revolobio.com. Thank you, sir, and have a wonderful day. Excellent. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you for listening to this episode of Biotech 2050. This episode is hosted by me, Rahul Chaturvedi. It's edited and mixed by Megan Lovering. If you enjoyed this episode of Biotech 2050, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Biotech2050pod. Again, that's Biotech2050pod. Until next time.